2: Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick, and I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the MLS All-Star Host Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast.
3: The host with the most, Mr. Jason Levy and owner DC United. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, of course. So, I mean, you tell me, where, where do you want to begin? There's so much to talk about with MLS this week. You want to talk about your team. You want to talk about your stadium. You want to talk about the big man joining MLS. You want to talk about the All-Stars playing Arsenal. Where do we begin? I
1: think there's just a lot of great news stories. Um, so much excitement. Um, I'm, I'm ready to start wherever you guys want to start. But MLS in the news, making it happen, um, it's really an exciting moment.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, listen, you're, you were a traditional Big Four sports owner. You're an MLS. What are you feeling? Just give, give me that, you know, I'm not looking for empirical evidence on things. I'm, I'm asking for that. This is what I'm intangibly feeling in the atmosphere about the league as a whole.
1: It is like this palpable sense of momentum. Um, that I, I and, and the league, you, you've sensed it for a long time growing. Um, but this, this is a really a moment that MLS is having um, that soccer United States is having, but particularly MLS, um, around Messi, around all-stars, certainly around Arsenal, but just where the league is headed. And I think, I believe that Messi coming in and the Apple deal in the last 12 months is like a tipping point. Um, you know, and I've been around the league now 11 years, um, and this feels like a pivotal, pivotal moment.
2: And so you're mentioning Messi there. Let's, let's dive into that, the obviously the, the biggest, I assume you'll agree, the biggest signing in MLS history from a from a player standpoint. Um, it, it makes total sense to me how, how this is going to affect Inter-Miami's business, but walk us through how you see this affecting the league as a whole.
1: Well, listen, I, I saw on a smaller level um, when we brought Wayne Rooney to the league five years ago and we opened our stadium and the impact that it had um, all around the world, really, um, and the impact that it had on our business, our brand, um, but but also on MLS and, you know, I think Messi is taking this to, you know, stratospherically a, a different level. Um, I feel more people who are casual sports fans who are soccer fans around the world uh, wanting to talk to me about it. Um, you know, I've been spending a lot of time in Europe um, and, you know, people it, it's it's on the tip of everyone's tongue because Messi really at the height of his powers right now after what he did at the World Cup just six months ago. Uh, Coming to MLS, certainly it's going to give Miami a boost. Um, And my hat's off to that whole crew, the Mosses, for getting that done. Um, They had a vision and and they made it happen. Um, uh, Really amazing. Um, And certainly what the league did and the league's partners did. Um, But I think it's going to reverberate around all of MLS and around all the soccer ecosystem in the United
2: States. I'm looking at the the Inter-Miami schedule and July 8th, at DC United, uh, are you uh, are you bummed that that game was not a month later? How do you feel about hosting, hosting Inter-Miami right before Messi joins?
1: Well, you know, what's interesting is the leak that he was coming happened before July 8th, and we got flooded with requests. We were on pace to sell that game out anyway. We've been selling out most of our home games. Um, but as soon as that announcement hit, our prices spiked. Um, we got a lot of incoming calls for suites, and we said, Guys, listen. I, you know, don't bank on Messi being here. We don't want to oversell this thing. Um, and they said, we don't care. We want to see Miami even if there's a chance. He's coming. So the benefit to us is we got to play in a, in a, in a stadium that was even more excited than it would normally be. And we didn't have to compete and play against Messi. So, there, you know, there was some value in that too. Um, although we didn't get the win. We had to. Just re-
3: the promise of the guy. I love this.
1: Yeah. So, so that was good. That was good. I, but I think it's going to happen everywhere. And, you know, we're thinking about pricing for next year. And we're going to get a couple of matchups with Inter-Miami next year. And uh, there's no one else like Messi in the world, um, but you're going to see more talent like him, you know, not exactly like him, but a high-level talent flood into the league.
2: Walk us through that pricing, actually. But what, what does it look like from a percentage standpoint over a normal game? How do you begin to price Inter-Miami playing uh, against you guys versus a random opponent?
1: Well, I will say if I take a step back, I think when I joined MLS – Uh, this is my 12th season now. Um, You know, part of the value was, hey, this is affordable pricing. You know, this is a great atmosphere, great environment. And I think what's shifting with MLS now, with the Messies, with the Roonies, with with the impact that we're seeing uh, in some of these new stadiums that are being built in new markets, it's becoming premium inventory. It's a premium experience. You're on the field. You're right next to the action. Um, And I think our fan base understands that now. And so that premium experience is something that they crave. Um, and Messi coming into the league, I think, takes it to another level. So the value, we're, we're at, at Audi Field, we're looking to create more premium inventory because that's what our fans demand. They want that experience. They want a unique experience that's different. Um, you know, our stadium is intentionally built very vertically. Um, so everyone's on top of the action. I don't think there's a bad seat in Audi Field. Um, but we're trying to build more inventory closer to the field. And if anything, um, if I had it over again, I built, we opened Audi five years ago, we needed more seating and more premium because uh, we could have filled it. We've got a great market for that here. Um, Messi just on the July 8th game coming to town. Most of those calls that we got, the incoming requests, which were plentiful, were about premium. Um, They weren't about, hey, can I grab some more general admission tickets somewhere in the stadium? It was, what's the most expensive seat you have? What's the coolest experience I can get, and how many of those can I get?
3: Now, being the true capitalist, of course, Jason, you said you can start at Striker for 1.2 million dollars, right? Did you did you offer that premium availability?
1: It was a little bit higher than that on the price, particularly because we <laughs> needed to try to get some goals in that game. Um, but but you know, we could have we could have found a deal. There could have been a deal that could have been done.
3: It occurs to me though that uh, and Eben and I always battle about Spanish when uh, Mr. Villa joined MLS. Eben was a staunch David Villa. I was a David Villa. Uh, I think I was proven right in that one. I don't remember what it was, but we determined I was right. But I've just realized that this is the most appropriately named owner in sports now, because it's más atención, it's más dinero for uh, for the Mazatèc boys down there in Inter Miami. <laughs> <laughs> so I love when I can make Jason Levy and crack up. But but Jason, give me what do you know about this deal? What we hear is the owners really don't know the specifics of the contract. Is that true? And are you comfortable with that?
1: First of all, yes. I, I think the Mosses, what's great about them is they are larger than life. Um, and uh, they've done an unbelievable job in, in a market that people had questions about, you know, and I think they're, they're making big moves both on the stadium front, the real estate front, certainly on the the messy front. Uh, what I know about the deal, I've gotten high level information about it from the league, from Don, Uh, the commissioner and others. Um, And there's a, listen, there's a lot of, uh, first of all, every team operates its own business and the overwhelming majority of the compensation in this deal is coming from, from inner Miami. Um, The, the, the guaranteed compensation. Other parts of the deal is, is we're an entrepreneurial league. Uh, We're a single entity league. We've got a tremendous amount of respect and faith in the leadership of our, of our league with Don on down. Um, and we want the league to grow. And it's, what's exciting is, and I thought about this, had Lionel Messi gone to the premier league, there would have been a lot of clubs that would be grumbling. Like, why do we have to have this guy in the league? You know, we don't, we don't need, we, we want to win more games. It, you know, everyone is out for themselves to a much greater degree, obviously in the premier league. And what I've seen in MLS is the camaraderie, the collaboration on the business side. We all want to beat each other's brains in on the field. But off the field, looking to grow the league, looking to grow the sport, that kind of collaboration among such distinguished and successful business leaders, that, that is, has untapped potential, un- 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 remarkable potential.
3: Let me tell you what I've learned in hanging around the NBA, especially about the Miami market, where you have clubs, you have restaurants, you have the beaches, you have everything going on, that Mickey Arison knew this well with the Heat. It is not good enough to be a good basketball team. There's a reason why he brought in Shaquille O'Neal driving an 18-wheel tractor trailer. There's a reason why he went out and got LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade to form the big three. Because you have to be an event. You have to have star power in Miami to really win over fans. So does it make sense to you that this is part of the plan? It's not enough for Inter-Miami to be a pretty good soccer team. They've got to have one of the best soccer players in the world to get people to go.
1: Let me tell you something. I, so I moved to Miami 20 years ago and in two, and everyone told me um, at the time I was an agent and I was representing Udonis Haslem. and everyone told me Miami's a football town. It's an NFL town. It'll never be a basketball town. And you're right. I mean, Mickey Harrison put together quite a crew uh, with Shaq and Dwayne Wade and LeBron and Bosh. And, you know, it looks like a basketball town now. Right. And my the heat have been amazing. Um, but, but, but part of it is the show, and, and there are so many other attractions. And Miami has grown so much, but it's also grown so much internationally that I believe that um, you know, the sport of soccer and its global growth um, can have a real resonance there. And so uh, Lionel Messi coming to town. Forget Miami, though. I think this is going to be about North America. I think it's going to be about North America embracing soccer in a way that it hasn't before. Um, and, uh, it's, it's really a moment.
2: I I've spoken in the past few weeks with a number of different MLS teams. One of them told me that they don't play inter Miami this year. Um, but their biggest Ticketmaster day they'd ever had was the day that Messi was announced in Miami. Just obviously a lot of interest around MLS. Another team told me that they are seeing a lot more social interaction than they did before, and they were trying to figure out why that was, and the, the working assumption is just because of the the buzz around Messi. I, I'm curious what, what you're seeing in D.C. Are there kind of specific business metrics that you're seeing that are not Messi directly related at all, but you think are because of, uh, b- because of his signing?
1: Yes, I think we're seeing a heightened interest – I see it. We're seeing a heightened interest from corporate partners. Um, there, we're just in the news more. There's, there, it's more top of mind, um, and it's resonating in a deeper way. So there's no question that in D.C., in this DMV market, it's been a tipping point over the last 30 days, even when it started being rumored that it was happening, um, that we're seeing an invigorated interest. And, and that says a lot because we had a lot of momentum before that, especially with Audi Field and All-Star. Um, but but I've seen the impact that the Messi announcement has already had on our business and in the, the heightened interest and awareness.
2: One last thing on, on this topic. I've spoken with a few owners who expressed some skepticism or, or, or worried that uh, giving Messi – equity options in a team, which I don't think any MLS team has ever done before might lead to a lot of other players asking for that in the future. Do you have any fear about a precedent being set here where anyone else coming from Europe in the future says, oh, I'm not as big as Messi, but I want a smaller version of of the um, unprecedented pay package that he's getting?
1: Two things I would say about that. One is I think Messi is a generational player. You know, it's very unique. It's a very unique situation. He's a his, his career is unique, what he's accomplished so far, and what, what he can, his impact is unique. Um, and so I don't think there are too many players out there that are going to compare themselves to him um, in a reasonable way. The second thing I would say is, though, what I love about our league, it's only 27 years old, and there's an entrepreneurial spirit, there's a growth mindset. Um, I think there's a different mindset in this league than there are in the other American, North American league sports leagues. And I give a lot of credit to our leadership for that. So, finding unique solutions, like even the Beckham solution, you know, 15 years ago uh, or more, um, was special. And I think that that bodes well for the future of the league. But I do think that Messi is a special case. And I think most people see it as such.
2: So let's broaden this conversation out because you obviously have experience in other leagues as well. Uh, Almost every major league sports team and league in the U.S. is is seeing massive commercial growth right now, certainly massive valuation growth. I'm curious from where you sit as you look at uh, valuations are soaring. If you think this is a, a, an unimpeded upward trajectory, if you think there are any, any headwinds coming, how you evaluate the, uh, the, 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 massive growth of valuations in sports over the past 20 years.
1: So I've been, you know, I've been involved as an investor for about 15. Um, and prior to that was working with, on the player side of the business. Um, I, I think that um, a, lot, a lot of the changes in valuation certainly had to do with the value of content creation, um, but a lot of it had to do with the market correction, which was I think these were massively undervalued assets 20 years mm. ago, even 15 years ago, even 12 years ago. And I think that's because of the scarcity value, the inherent passion and fan bases surrounding these sports and these teams, um, the, the impact they can have on a community. Um, so I, I think there's head, uh, tailwinds, not headwinds right now, certainly in soccer. Um, and I think that you're going to see more and more growth, um, by the, the sports and by the organizations that are able to build these platforms, as you guys talk about, where they're, there, there are multiple revenue streams, uh, multiple ways to engage with your fan base and your community. Um, I think that's going to be paramount. Um, but i see I see a lot of tailwinds in terms of the sports and the scarcity value and the impact they 're having you know in the country and in specific communities.
2: You mentioned scarcity value there. MLS has added a number of teams in the, in the past decade. Is there a healthy final number that you see? what do you think about in terms of expansion versus scarcity value in MLs?
1: You know I was talking with a couple of other owners today about that. Some are very happy sticking at thirty teams and they think that 's the right number. Some think maybe going to thirty two. Hmm. Um, But we're certainly close to the end of that that growth period in terms of expansion. Uh, We're going to probably think very carefully and thoughtfully about where and whether we expand further, how many more we go to. Um, And I think that's going to enhance the value league-wide. A lot of the teams that came in in the past, you know, 10 years ago even, um, it was about growing the footprint. It was about uh, everyone knew expansion was coming and getting the right owners on board and their thought leadership. And their resources in the right markets, um, and I think, listen, I think the league did a masterful job at that. I mean, I look around the table in board meetings and look at the the, the business leaders that are part of MLS, and you know, I compare it to any league in the world as having some great leadership, great ownership, um, and the the idea. Factory that comes from that is really impressive.
2: Before we let you go, Jason, talk a little bit about All Star, uh, MLS All Star uh, team in DC this week taking on Arsenal. Uh, what is for for what are some things that maybe our listeners aren't thinking about business wise that that hosting the MLS All Star game gets DC United and gets gets the building?
1: Well, first of all, a lot of pride for me in doing that. You know, when we acquired the club. 11 years ago, my partner and I uh, at the time was from Indonesia. I've since brought in Steve Kaplan and some other partners. But, you know, when we, we acquired the club, the dream was to have this stadium in downtown Washington, D.C., a mile from the capital. Uh, a lot of people told us it wasn't going to happen, um, that, you know, it was too hard to do, too difficult to navigate the government and the politics of it. Um, so now hosting the All-Star Game seems a little bit like I got to pinch myself. Um, hosting it against Arsenal um, in, and seeing where the league has grown. And to be a part of that is incredible. There's a lot of development we're doing around the stadium that we're going to highlight. Uh, it's going to be the most densely populated area in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. in the next five years. Um, it's being There are cranes everywhere. It's being flooded with interest. Um, so to host it at our place um, heightens sort of the awareness of our stadium, the awareness of our organization, which, you know, we were playing at RFK prior to that. Yeah. Uh, That building has since been condemned uh, for asbestos. Um, So to be at Audi Field, to be in this new rising neighborhood, to get the eyes of the soccer global community and the North American community on us, um, and to have my partners there to be a part of that, um, that's incredible. And I got to tell you, the show that MLS puts on is amazing. Mm. It's getting better and better. Um, The rehearsals have gone on. The skills challenge is going to be big. The Rising Stars game, uh, the parties. Um, they do an amazing job, and so to have it in our backyard is is really something special.
2: I actually think the MLS Skills Competition, which you just mentioned. Maybe the best one in all of the sports i think I think they they do a good, the goalie wars i lo- I think they do a really good job um of of finding fun, creative ways to showcase not just the talent of players but also their personalities when they're kind of having fun joking around with their teammates
1: and that's not easy to do you've seen you've seen the n b a and the n f l have to sort of pivot in those areas it, yeah. and you're right i I really struggle, and i think m l s has done an amazing job at it, so yeah, it is is that's tomorrow night that'll be a great event. Um, and so, just just action packed
2: next few days. All right, Jason Levy, an owner of DC United. Thank you very much, Jason, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Scott, we had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a delay there, and, and some and some tech problems with Jason. But overarching uh, big theme there. Very. Uh, clear. Wait a minute!
3: I told Jason he should not do the interview on a StarTac flip phone with the little flimsy, <laughs> you know, remember the little <laughs> flimsy antenna that broke every two minutes every time he tried to pull it out. But he insisted he wanted to do it.
2: Well, very clear from Jason. Um, Leo Messi uh, is going to have an impact well beyond Miami uh, in his few years here in Major League Soccer. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me kind of right there at the end, talking about franchise valuation jumps, um, the, the the scarcity value of sports teams, a huge reason why a lot of these assets are really expensive. And MLS has added a lot to the scarcity or to the to, to, to the number in the past few decades. But Jason's saying that they're pretty close uh, to the end there, whether it's 30 or 32 teams, that he does not see this this new stretch of expansion going much beyond 32, which is the number in, in the NFL, obviously. Um, but I thought that was interesting, that that uh, the the era of, of rapid expansion may be coming to a close for Major League Soccer.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Messi, top, top player, big name. I I got it. Is there a case to be made that people will check it out early... And then, well, you know, all right, I saw him, it's, it's sort of intriguing, but he's still playing against some other teams and players that I don't really feel all that passionately about, and I don't really need to watch anymore. Are, are you making, the, I mean, is he selling the subscription, people canceling? You know, I'm, I'm just curious as to if the, whether or not there's a case to be made. Am I 100% bullish on everything is going north, or... Am I making an argument that there will be a really, really high spike and either an a precipitous fall or a gradual slope back down to a more common level of interest? I don't one know
2: of the, one of the things I've been thinking about, the well documented how many Instagram followers inter Miami got in the in the twenty four hours after Messi was announced. Mm-hmm. Less talked about the millions of Twitter followers that p s g Messi's old team. Lost right. when he was announced to be at a different team. Well, what do it we say? They're not, they're
3: not. They don't look for the brand. but People are attached to athletes these days. It, it,
2: it's clear that uh, if and when when Messi stops playing in MLS, I do think there's going to be a, a a big drop in in the interest. The challenge for MLS and the opportunity for MLS here is how do you keep the biggest percentage of those people who never would have tuned in if not for Messi being here? How do you keep them in the ecosystem after Messi is gone? And we're not going to obviously. We're not going to know that answer for for a number of years now until you can really autopsy the the entire thing. But I think there's no question there's going to be a lot of people for whom interest in MLS is going to spike right now and will be over the minute that Leo Messi is no longer wearing uh, an MLS jersey. Uh, but the, the, the people I've talked to around the league, and it sounded like Jason's definitely one of them, there's people that do think there's an opportunity to catch some of those fans, some of those global soccer fans, uh, to be around this league long after Messi is gone. All right. One other thing real quick that I have been thinking about. Um, Inner Miami is in last place right now in in, in the standings. Playoffs. Not, playoffs. Not, <laughs> not too far from a playoff spot. It's, <laughs> it's certainly possible. Um, but uh, I think it's it's probably unlikely from a betting standpoint right now. Uh, I do wonder about the optics if all of this attention happens, people from all over the globe tune in to see Messi's play, and then the playoffs start, and suddenly there's no Messi at all. So I do think people around the league would love it. If Messi and Inter-Miami picked up the, uh, the level of play enough to get into the playoffs come this fall, I think that would be a really big deal. And I also think it would be a bit of a disappointment, uh, both financially and from an interest standpoint, if, if Miami does not make that jump. All right.
3: Who's the top team in MLS right now? And this is no indictment of MLS. You know, I, I would say this to you if it was the NFL. I would say this to you if it's the NBA. I'm like, all right, who's in first place right now in the NFC? Cincinnati. Doing okay. very well. All right. Great. So, all right. So, we're going to have a one month loan. Messi is going to get loaned to Cincinnati. <laughs> he must, must, must appear in the postseason when most people are watching.
2: So, some expansion teams doing very well. I see St. Louis is in first place. I, I pulled it up. See St. Louis is in first place in the Western Conference. LAFC, I was just out in, in, in uh, BMO Stadium for a game out in LA. Uh, that was between the top two teams in the Western Conference because LAFC beat St. Louis. Uh, really great stadium out there. Uh, yeah, there, there's uh, looking here in the Eastern Conference, Miami, as I said, in last place, it looks like a playoff t- spot is uh, 30 points and, and Miami is at 18, if I'm reading this correct. That so, ain't nothing. Not nothing. There's a there's a stretch. There there's a ways to go here. But again, that Messi, I assume will we'll, we'll make that team better than it was before him. But the push to get him into the playoffs, I think, is going to be a real thing.
3: Wait, I love that. That was the understatement of the decade. <laughs> Messi, I think will make that team better. Yes, I think Messi will make that team. Well, better. I, so I th- this is
2: saved. this is an interesting question, though. Obviously, that that is an understatement. Is it better if Messi comes and absolutely dominates, and it is the most exciting thing? He's pouring in goals all the time. Or does that scoring, prove what everybody was saying? Or forever? does it yeah. prove that the the level is just nowhere near the level that he's used to? I, I've been wondering what what is the best thing if if if, if suddenly the— he he looks mortal or if he looks like the the god that so many people think of in his head uh in his head <laughs> no i <laughs> sorry in their head i, heads. In their heads. Sorry.
3: I yeah. would say a clear to a to a soccer novice that he is clearly the best player on the field doing things they haven't seen before getting mm-hmm. them excited but no if he comes in and he pumps in six goals a game i mean i know that's outlandish uh, that would be bad for MLS, yes. You'd like it to think that he'd have to work pretty hard to have some success. Try try really hard. Uh, I, I, but is this sacrilegious? Let me ask you this. Now, are you saying right now, or are you going to watch his debut live? Uh,
2: it's a Friday night. I think I'm not going to watch his debut I don't live. think I am either. Yeah.
3: And now, what does that I mean, I'm old, so I don't know. But what does that say? And... And I, I was pondering this, by the way. I know we're going longer, and this is a separate topic, and we can pick it up whenever. Yeah. But this is a separate topic. I was pondering the whole, what does everybody say? Sports live, DVR approved, live, 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 live. I get it for the Super Bowl. I got it for big, mo- mo- I got it. But you know what? In a world where microtransactions are being pushed by leagues, where I really only need the this, the that, do I care if I'm 30 seconds behind? Do I care if I'm 90 seconds behind? Something like this. The final score means nothing. Yeah. What matters here is what Messi does, and I was thinking about this and how. I mean, I can't get the sports business stuff off your mind. I mean, I guess it's good off my mind. Uh, when I saw on Twitter that Steph Curry had uh, hit an ace, yeah, he got a putt. shot an ace,
2: yeah, yeah, or the the, the shot, At, not the putt. And, yeah, yeah,
3: right, in, in 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 the golf tournament. I didn't need to watch that live. I didn't need to watch that live to enjoy the moment. I was 30 seconds behind when somebody put it on Twitter and I saw him run down the fairway and I was fine. That's what I needed to see. And I think that's the world we're living in, where the world around games gets extended to a week before, a week after. And the analogy I always make in the office to people is I have not seen a Jimmy Kimmel or any late night TV show, name any of the other hosts that I can't, I have not seen any any late night show in hmm. and, and I'm not I'm not overstating in years I just don't watch them but you know what I haven't missed one of the really good jokes on the on the late night show either because somebody's got it on the social media the next day so great I'll see it the next morning. I don't need to be there at midnight when this when this joke is made I'll see it tomorrow. It's fine yeah
2: it's, it's it's such an interesting question and this is a question we should ask next time we have an owner or really a league executive on we should ask this because the, the leagues have been historically fairly lenient with Twitter and with social media in terms of sharing highlights understanding that people pay a lot of money to be able to broadcast these things live, but that the time value or the value of those, those clips over time starts to shrink. I do wonder if you're, you're right. We're going to get, if Messi gets subbed in in the 50th minute, two minutes after he gets subbed in, there'll be a 30 second clip of Messi running onto the field. Messi's moments. Yeah. And if Messi scores a goal against Cruz Azul, you will be able to watch that goal on Twitter. I think almost immediately, Afterwards, um, and you're right. I think most people who are watching, if they watch it live, are not really going to care about the outcome of a League's Cup match between a club from Mexico and a, and a club from the, from the U.S. Uh, so I do wonder if, because I think you're right, and I think you're hitting on something interesting. I do wonder if, in over time, the 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 highlight sharing portion of of these league strategies change as a way to either try to profit more off of them or to dial them back to give more value to the people who are paying
3: them. You're saying I might be witnessing a more restrictive Adam Silver in the future, whereas now he's saying anything that promotes basketball is fine and dandy by me. Go ahead and put it out there.
2: And I would have, I probably have said this on the podcast before, I would have applauded Adam for his approach years ago. It seemed progressive to think that there is a real value for, for allowing folks on Twitter to, to really pump that out and, and make it widely available. And I think the NBA did take the lead in some ways of, 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 of rethinking that approach. But you're right, as, the, as, as as it gets fractured and as less people see the value of watching something live... I do think you can maybe make an argument that having exclusive rights to the first hour of replay of, of this match or, or highlight sharing of this match is actually something very valuable that leagues can sell in the future.
3: Can I give you a shout-out? How do you react to me praising you? Is that okay? Oh, do we, do, we yeah, do this? We'll take that, absolutely. Yeah, people, <laughs> sure. listen, yeah. Listeners to the show should go to your Twitter feed, and you should put it out there once a day, just to make it easy to find. But we were out at the Variety and Sportico uh, Sports and Entertainment Summit, and you, you interviewed Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams. Very interesting take on why teams do not want to do hard knocks like the Jets are there now, and you can just see it's just a headache for everybody. And it was interesting, you know, you, uh, Sean appeared with the CMO of the team and the two different takes as to, well, it's great for me and here's why. And then the coach, well, I don't, really don't want to do it and, and here's why. And while you were doing that, th- this is like the, what, what I'm fascinated by. We had tons of players. Angel Reese went by and she had a great interview. And I'm downstairs talking to Rich Paul about his need to fly to New York to promote his New Balance line of clothing and sneakers. And <laughs> I'm like, what a day. Like Blake Griffin, Jason Tatum, they're, you know, hanging around and they're all talking about athletes and entertainment. But uh, I thought it was really interesting at the core again, it goes back to the, the coach was like, well, you know, any perceived advantage that team gets, we really and But more importantly, moving forward, you and I agree that almost every team's going to have its own version of hard knocks. And give me the two words that really summed up why. What do they get? when it's done in-house that they do not have now that they value?
2: They get final cuts. Scott. Final they. cut. There <laughs> it Editorial is. Editorial a- approval. Yeah, the, that question I thought was really interesting because, it, to your point, the, the CMO and the coach, Sean McVeigh and Kat Kyling Frederick, they've met in the middle, which is... Sean, the coach, is worried about authenticity of interactions when there's cameras around and worried about giving away a cadence or a play call or a personnel decision that can be used against them in the future. And the CMO meets him in the middle and says, okay, so maybe we don't do, do hard knocks, but what if we have our own cameras? You get editorial approval. You get to watch it or think about it and say, we can't show that or we need to edit that out or I don't want cameras in here. And then the Rams are putting out their own behind the scenes docu-series. Uh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but in some ways the, the, the perfect medium is in in-house production companies and teams that are thinking, um, if my coaches worry about this for this reason, uh, we can do this in-house and alleviate some of those concerns while putting out a product that, for some Rams fans, looks very similar. I think to the to the Hard Knocks product.
3: I just need Ryan Reynolds' ability to turn even a birthday into a video that everybody wants to see. Right, <laughs> Stan Kroenke's p- birthday, and we're, you know we're going to get a video for it. All right, go ahead and close this out, Novi.
2: All right well earlier you heard from Jason Levian, the owner of DC United. He is Scott Sashnik on Twitter at Sashnik. I am Evan Novi Williams on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. The Sporticast is produced by Aaron Greenewald and Keith Zanardi. Shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor Cora Veltman would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sporticast which is the hub of the Sportico media.